Let's join again and praise and be singing, my life, Lord, be glorified. There's a film called Cast Away, and in the film, Tom Hanks acts as a big uh, business executive who uh, ends up cast away on a desert island because his plane crashes. In trying to survive this desert island, uh, the, the actor or the character begins to start a fire with a sharp stick, and he cuts his hand severely while he's doing that. In anger, he takes the volleyball which he has with him and throws it as hard as he can. When it lands, he sees that his hand, the blood on his hand has made an imprint which looks like a fiery head. With his finger, he draws a face in the blood, an idol, if you will, and from then on, throughout the film, he talks to this volleyball as if it's a new friend. And it's interesting, this man is, is isolated, cut off on a desert island, and he talks to the volleyball, but he never prays. He never looks to God. He never seeks God. He talks to the volleyball but he doesn't talk to God. And you'd ask yourself why he never did that. But then you've got to ask yourself the same question, why people trust in all kinds of other things rather than God. They will talk to their friends. They'll talk to Stephen Nolan. They'll read a self-help book. They'll go to a therapist. But they never seek God or talk to God. They will never come to Jesus. And we are called to go to him first. Daniel, the little chorus tells us, was a man of prayer. It was his fearless prayer life and his commitment to God in prayer that caused him to be thrown into the den of lions. Daniel was a man of prayer 
because he was a deep man of deep love and deep devotion to God. This is obvious in the prayer recorded in this chapter of the book, chapter 9. Daniel is preoccupied in prayer with the character of God. To Daniel, God was real and totally reliable. He was the God whose majesty filled the universe, the God who taught his own people respect by his mighty acts and his terrible judgments, the God who is faithful to his covenant and shows constant love to those who love him and do what he commands. This is the God that Daniel worshipped. This is the God that Daniel believed in. And this is the God that Daniel addresses in this chapter. Such is the character of which he is vividly aware. Does God's character grip your imagination? Do you know him as the God of love and of grace, but also as the God of judgment? The God whose power has no end and who never breaks his promise? Daniel and other Israelites were in exile in Babylon. Exiled into Babylon because of the judgment of God which fell upon the nation because of its sin. Exiled because God in his sovereignty allowed the Babylonians to overrun the land and to carry the people off into exile. But there is no sense of blaming God in Daniel's prayer. He saw no inconsistency between the severity of the punishment and the mercy of God. He came before God with no hint of rebuke on his lips. Years may have gone, but Daniel's God has a character against whom no change may be brought. Yearning, pleading prayer can flow only from the heart of a man or a woman who has come to know and to trust God. And as you examine your heart and mind today, do you blame God when things go wrong? Do you blame God for the, the COVID situation? Do you blame God for the war in Ukraine? Do you blame God for the economic situation in which we find ourselves? Do you blame God for the state of the world? The God of the Bible is a God against whom no charge can be brought. It was to this God that Daniel came, perplexed but faithful, with problems and questions, but with trust in the sovereign God, believing that his God was in control. And what I want to do tonight, I'm, I'm not going to expound this chapter, but I'm rather going to draw out three lessons that I think we can learn from this chapter. First of all, notice Daniel's confidence in the Word of God, his confidence in the Word of God. Everything began in this chapter when Daniel was reading God's Word through the prophecy of Jeremiah. I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the Word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Daniel is remembered because three times a day he opened his window towards Jerusalem and prayed. 
For there is not the slightest doubt that as frequently as he prayed, he studied his Bible. His whole life and attitude reflected the teaching of God's Word. And as Daniel studied the Word of God, he discovered that the book had something to say to his situation, the situation in which he found himself, the situation in which he and his fellow countrymen found themselves. And the Bible has something to say to us in our day and in our generation, in the age of materialism and secularism, in the days of COVID and Ukraine, in the days of world terrorism. God has something to say to us the Bible has something to say to us in the midst of the bewilderment and the perplexity of living in this world. Daniel had probably questioned in his mind about the future. Is there any hope? Is Israel fated to decay and to disappear in lonely exile? But as he studied Jeremiah, the answer came. God would honor his word, and one day Jerusalem would be restored. God has a word for us in the situation in which we find ourselves, in our day and in our generation, just as God had a word for Daniel in his day and generation. So God challenges us to search the Scripture, to take the study of the Bible seriously, both individually and as a people together, searching the Word of God, seeking to see how the Bible applies in the day-to-day -day living of our lives. Do you take the Bible seriously? Do you take Bible study seriously? Do you read the Bible every day? Do you sincerely seek to know what God is saying to you today? Do you realize the importance of coming together with others to study the Bible? What we need in our day is what Daniel needed in his day, a word from the Lord. And this is why we are to read the Scriptures. Daniel, throughout his whole long life, was a student of God's Word. Daniel was a man who had confidence in the Scriptures as the Word of God. Back in chapter 1, we know that as he read the Word of God, he was led to the conviction that to share in the king's Babylonian food would be to mar his fellowship with God. Then he was a young man in his mid-teens. But wherever he speaks throughout this book, we are left with the impression of a man whose mind was saturated in the thinking of the Word of God. And here in chapter 9, when he's in his mid-80s probably, we find him digging into God's Word, still discovering fresh light, breaking out from it. And as he read the book of Jeremiah, it dawned on him what Jeremiah was saying was that soon the exile would be over and the people of God would be able to return home. Yet there was no sign that this was going to happen. There was nothing that Daniel could see that was a forerunner of the promise of God being fulfilled. So he prayed. 
He pleaded with God to be faithful to his word, as he always had been in Daniel's experience. If we fail to feed on the word of God like Daniel did, if we fail to have our eyes open to discover wonderful things in it, then we will stop growing as Christians. But if we're anxious to live for God, anxious to know the will of God, anxious to serve God, then we will give ourselves to the study of the Bible. We will want to know what God has to say to us in this day, in this generation. What God has to say about how he expects us to live. What God has to say to us as we live through these days of COVID, as we are horrified by what's happening in Ukraine, as we look at the rise in the cost of living, what has God got to say to us? As we live in a world that is drifting further and further away from God, God is calling us to have confidence in His Word. And of course, Daniel's confidence in the Word of God led him to his knees in prayer. His study of the Scriptures led naturally to him seeking God's face in prayer. And so it should be with us. So the second thing that you note in, these chapter, in this chapter is this, Daniel's prayer, which is a confession of unfaithfulness. Daniel's knowledge of God reminded him vividly of the sins of the people. As he thought of God's love and goodness, of God's care and blessing, how God had blessed and saved his people, Daniel cringed as he thought of the sins and the rebellion, as he thought of the lack of faith and faithfulness of God's people. He was shocked and dismayed, and a flood of remorse poured into his lips. We have sinned. We have been evil. We have done wrong. We have rejected what you commanded us to do and have turned away from what you showed us as right. Do you notice this prayer? Daniel doesn't say, they have sinned. They have been evil. They have done wrong. He says, we have sinned. We have been evil. We have done wrong. Surely Daniel, a man of purity and integrity, stood out against the corruption in the Babylonian nation. Surely Daniel, whose record of godliness in the face of opposition was clear for all to see. Surely Daniel, a man who studied and lived by the Word of God, a man who faithfully prayed three times a day, did not need to associate himself with the sins of the people. If anyone had a right to pray, my people have sinned and omit himself from the confession, then surely it was Daniel. But no, he and the people were one. He mourned the nation's sin and he acknowledged that he was as guilty as they. And here lies a secret for all who would desire to be true prayer warriors. We must not pray, have mercy on them, O God, and sit as if we were superior spiritually, but have mercy on us. As we look at the state of our nation with its lawlessness, 
It's immorality. It's ungodliness. As we look at the hatred and bigotry, the sectarianism and the racism, we cannot wash our hands as if it has nothing to do with us. If you would pray, you must sit where they sit and stand where they stand and say with Daniel, Lord, we are sinners. We rebel constantly. Have mercy on us. We must confess our part in the sinfulness and rebellion against God, which is so much part of our society today. Daniel studied the Word of God, and he learned some startling things. He thought as well as the dark powers being responsible for the pressures and afflictions of the people of God, there was another reason for their affliction, the sins of the people of God themselves. So we must learn the same lesson. Daniel poured out his heart before God. He spoke to him of his faithfulness and mercy and how God deplored the sins of the people. Then he appealed to God by his past mercies and salvation to turn away his wrath and his judgment and to show pity on his people. Here was Daniel, the representative of the small group of people who had remained faithful to God. And he was praying on behalf of his nation, a prayer that was answered because God did deliver his people from bondage to Babylon. And this is a vital lesson for us to learn. A whole nation will never cry to God for mercy. It is left to the faithful few to confess the sin of the nation. When God finds a group of people who in their own hearts take and feel the sin of the whole nation, then there is a prospect of a way out and a way of blessing. Over 160 years ago, in this very area, a group of young men took it upon themselves to pray. They met every Friday evening from the winter of 1857. And it was from this little group that the fire was kindled, which blazed throughout the whole of Ulster and carried the gospel message to 100,000 souls in what is now known as the 1859 revival. Four young men who gave themselves to God, and to prayer. Someone commenting on Daniel's prayer has written this, it will not do to talk about the sins of criminals or governments or capitalists or communists or others in the church. It is our sin that Christians should be confessing, sin we share with the rest of the community. There was nothing holier than now in Daniel's attitude and neither should there be in ours. God calls us to prayer. He calls us to confess before him our sins, the sins we share with our community. Do you remember the promise of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Daniel's study of the Bible drove him to his knees to confess the sin of the community of which he was a part 
Are you willing to pray like that? Daniel had confidence in the Word of God. He confessed his unfaithfulness and the unfaithfulness of his people. And thirdly, note, he received comfort from a loving God. As Daniel poured out his heart to God in prayer, the angel Gabriel was sent with an answer, sent by God with a word of peace and comfort. Daniel, I have come here to help you to understand the prophecy. Gabriel came to help Daniel understand the passage from Jeremiah he was studying. And what Gabriel, in effect, says in the following verses, be sure of it, Daniel, this is the message of the book. Sooner or later, God will have his way, and nothing shall fail of his faithful word. Not in the immediate future, Daniel. Not in your time, Daniel. But in centuries to come, God will fulfill his promise. And of course, he will fulfill it ultimately in sending the anointed one, Jesus. But be sure of this, Daniel. You have played your part by your prayerfulness and your faithfulness. God will have his way. Our God is marching on. He works his purposes out in this world as year succeeds to year. God is in ultimate control, and God sent the anointed one that they might look to him and trust in him and know him. It is a message that is very appropriate for us in our troubled and bewildered days, in these COVID days, in these unsure days. God calls us to look to him and to trust in him through Christ. For the troubled and confusing situation in which we find ourselves, we need to grasp that God is in control. He will fulfill his perfect will. He has his purposes in the world. We must never fear or become despondent. Though the earth be removed and the mountains cast into the midst of the sea, our God is marching on. That is the assurance that came to Daniel through Gabriel, and that is the assurance that comes to us. No matter what people may plot or try to do, no matter how hopeless the situation may appear to us, our God is in control. May God help us to see it. May He impart to our minds the reality of the challenge that it brings. Because if God's purposes are going to be fulfilled anyway, then it is our wisdom to keep in with Him and not to be at cross purposes with His will. Our God is in control. Do you have confidence in the Word of God? Do you seek God's face in prayer, confessing your unfaithfulness? Do you believe that God is in control, that he is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year? Do you trust him and seek to walk step by step with him? Or are you trusting in your own ability? Are you trusting in some political system or other? Are you trusting in human agencies? God is in control. 
our confidence needs to be in him. Let us pray.